I heard you were going to say something awesome, and then no, actually, I wasn't. I was going to say something unkind. As a goalie, I'm just professionally offended. I don't know how how that <laughs> happened. It's professionally offended. Like, I just, <laughs> that's hilarious. And the home of the Episode 107 of the Hit the Deck Podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And this week, oh, have we got a treat for you. And so just uh, kind of following on the heels of last week and hoping to forge a new tradition we're going to jump right into the starting lineup for this show. So uh, without further ado, I present to you tonight's starting lineup. And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey, and of course, my illustrious co-host. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi, and with us tonight... On defense, number 13, I'm Kevin Frost. Welcome back to the pod, Kevin. Always a pleasure to have you here. Always a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much, guys. You are most welcome. Always. You are most welcome. (laughs) All right, Kevin, it is our sincere pleasure to have you here, but we are going to put you on hold just for one minute because that's what we do here on the podcast. We are very rude. And uh, we make our guests wait for it, and we make you wait for it, so we can needlessly banter back and forth. Because that's why you come for the podcast, right? For the banter. That's why you listen, obviously. James, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How about yourself? I am not so bad myself, James. I am glad that we've gotten through another week. I am very sorry that we have missed a week again. Dear listener, I apologize to you for keeping you waiting. I hope you will find it was worth the wait. But uh, as, as James mentioned, if you follow us on our social media... I was away, I believe he mentioned. I was on vacation, and uh, James had some things going on as well. So, uh, you know, we just, we thought it best to take the week and uh, not do a podcast. But we hope to deliver in spades this week. I have a good feeling about it. We have a very compelling topic to talk about, especially if you are a fan of the sport of deck slash ball hockey and if you're not then why are you listening to this podcast so i'm just going to go ahead and assume that you are and uh in that vein you know we 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 have some stuff on 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 deck as it were and we will tell you about that momentarily but first james was there anything interesting that happened to you over the past couple of weeks because it has been a couple of weeks since we've talked to these good people the only thing that sticks out is my nephew's seventh birthday happy birthday james's nephew Yes, Happy thank you very much. Yes, you're, you're quite welcome, and <laughs> and so is he. I, as I said, went away, and you, dear listener, will find out a little bit about that in the coming, uh, you know, coming little bit here, because I am a, a uh, I don't know if it makes me um, selfish or just efficient, but I'm going to talk about my vacation on the podcast as as a topic. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that momentarily. But before we get to that, we have something in the works that is much more important than my vacation. And uh, I think, you know, James, could I impose upon you to get this party started so, so we don't have to keep our guests waiting any longer? Could you please tell us what is on deck for this podcast? I'd be honored to. Thank you, sir. 2018 Summer Shootout Summary Part A. Yep, Mr. Kevin Frost is here to give all the exciting details of the Raleigh Street Hockey League's 2018 Summer Shootout Tournament. And six degrees of the American Rhino. The American Rhino went on a well-earned vacation with his family that had nothing to do with hockey. However, because Gary loves hockey so much, it apparently is a part of his family too. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. 
You're welcome, sir. And thank you, Kevin, for being back on the podcast. Once again, we are so very happy to be able to use your voice and your words for our benefit. You guys are gracious hosts. We do our best. (laughs) Hey, it's the least we could do, man. So uh, we appreciate all of the generosity and the love that you show for this podcast and the RSHL. Uh, especially with the sponsorships on the t-shirts and all that stuff. That was, that was phenomenal. So thank you so much for that. It was an honor to be up there with Hagen hockey and all black hockey sticks as well. And the other great sponsors of the summer shootout. And it seemed like it was a success. Was it? I would say it was a success. You know, we had three winning teams at the uh, end of the night and uh, everyone seemed to have fun. So, you know, we had a lot of new teams out there, a couple teams that are new to tournaments in general. So that went pretty well, I would say. How many teams total did you have in this tournament? We had 20 teams. That is a lot of teams. Let me make sure I did my math right before I say 20 (laughs) You're right. You're right. 20 teams, exactly. That's spread across three divisions, correct? Yeah, our lowest division was the C division, and that was for more beginner players. Our B division was more of an intermediate, and then the uh, A division was, you know, the best you could possibly bring. So no holds bar in the A division. In the B division, we tried to keep it to, especially guys from our league, guys that maybe would be on the lower end of A or have played in our B division. So that's kind of how we separate our guys Aside from the other teams that are coming from out of town, we just, you know, we would send them some videos and say, you know, hey, do you feel like you're in this division or do you feel like you're in that division? And uh, just kind of let them let them figure out. And um, surprisingly, it all worked out really well. I thought all of the divisions were really well-rounded. It didn't seem like there was one team that just, you know, couldn't keep up with the rest of the guys. Everybody was on the same page. The competition level was all right there. All of it about the same. I mean, we're going to go over some of these numbers, but anyone could have won one through eight in the, you know, B and C division. And then one through four easily could have won that in the A division. So that was probably the highlight of it was the competition level all the way through was really on point. And that's a hard thing to do for a tournament. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Now, actually, Kevin, there is one thing I've been wanting to ask you. This is not your first tournament that you've hosted. So this this question can apply to any of the years uh, or any of the tournaments that you've hosted. You were just talking about how they're all grouped into A, B, and C divisions, and they're pretty much self-seated in, in terms of what divisions they have. Now, I know that before you go into the, the tournament proper, you have like a round-robin uh, round, which is redundant, but whatever, where teams play each other to kind of get a, a sense of where they should be seated within their own division. Have you ever run into a situation in any of your tournaments where you see a team playing and you say, oh, you do not belong in this division and have to maybe do an emergency swap with another team? Yeah, that has happened a couple times where, you know, and one of the things is teams on paper don't always play like they should on the rink. So Mm -hmm. you can have a team, you know, if we were to line up all the teams that we thought would be the best in any given tournament, that could totally be turned on its head. So you you never really know. So yeah, that has happened in the past. It stinks because you want the rest of the teams to do well, but you know it happens. But we've never changed anybody out of a division. It's okay. you know it's one of those things where you just kind of learn and you move on. You know. All right. Yeah. We'll remember for next year, kind of kind of thing or next tournament. Yeah, we have made some rules, <laughs> some rule changes for the tournaments. Specifically, we had one goalie that played in the A division and the B division, hmm. and he went on to get a shutout in like almost every game in the B division and <laughs> win, and then went on and got a shutout in like every game in the A division and won it all. So from that time on, it was like, well, you can't play in the B division anymore. <laughs> <laughs> good you know, day so for that goalie, though. some lessons learned there. <laughs> Actually, I I did want to add that that's a good segue because another thing I wanted to ask you about was rule changes. I know last year to this year you had adjusted the rules of the tournament a bit. So why don't you tell us what the setup of this year's tournament was? Give us a refresher on that and tell us how it worked out with those rule changes. Yeah. One of the things right up front is that we didn't actually run the tournament last year. The tournament we had last year, well, if you're if you're talking about the Greensboro tournament, that was run by another company. So we had a hand in getting a lot of the teams out there. So this time around, it was like, well, let's just do it ourselves. 
and see what happens. But that's what you're talking about. It was a little bit different. This tournament itself was a little bit different from the Ironman that we usually have. The Ironman was kind of made for the RSHL for us to do something different because we're always doing the same format. So we wanted to come up with a tournament that was completely different from the play we had. One of it being no offsides was a big one. One of it being no substitutes. And so that way we could make as many teams as we could. But it's kind of evolved into a lot of teams coming from out of towns. And it's been less and less RSHL. So with that, we decided to make this tournament in Greensboro where we could have kind of an invitational. Greensboro, North Carolina, for anybody who doesn't know. Sorry, I assume everybody knows everything. But we're originally from Raleigh. Our league is in Raleigh. Greensboro is about an hour away at a rink that we don't play yet. So we decided to have a tournament there because we could have the rink for the entire day unobstructed. And it was a little smaller rink, so it made it a little fun. So I don't have the exact dimensions of the rink, but it's small. <laughs> so yeah, I with that, you, we decided to do... I, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I got to tell you, I really like the size of that rink. That looked like a fast, fun rink to play on. Yeah, it was. Uh, if you see some of those shots, if somebody misses the net, that ball would come right back out. And then, it, I mean, it could be mid-court. So you, you could get your own rebound off a slap shot and take another one off mm-hmm. the boards. You know, it was that lively. So, yeah, so the tournament rules was three-on-three play. We did a max roster of five runners and a goalie for the B and C division. The A division was a little bit different. We had an out-of-town team from Atlanta come up. And they said, well, we we have this six-man tournament team that we always bring. Is it okay if we bring six? So I contacted the other three teams that were involved and said, hey, you know, they want six. If You know, you guys can bring six if you want. Do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, yeah, bring six. Who cares? And the funny thing is, like, most of the teams didn't end up with six. One ended up with four. One of them could only get five. I think the other team could get five as well because, you know, someone would drop. So Mm -hmm. they ended up being the only team with six. So let's see. So we did a 13-minute running clock. It only stopped at the discretion of the refs or if we had matching penalties. So all of our penalties ended up being penalty shots. This was just to keep the game flowing so you didn't have to add any, you know, who wants to play three on two? It's a silly thing. So a lot of the rules we carried over from the Ironman because we wanted to keep kind of this uh, RSHL style tournament, you know. So we wanted to keep kind of most of the base rules the same. That way you're getting the same product every time you come out, whichever tournament you come out to. So the clock would stop if there was matching penalties. That way there wouldn't be a lot of time. Well, stop the clock for two guys to take penalty shots. And then we did no offsides. Again, it was a tiny rink, so I don't even think you could do offsides in that tiny <laughs> rink. But we did an offsides. We had an icing. We had no timeouts. And for the playoffs, we did, uh, you know, your regular 13-minute game. And then we would do a five-minute sudden-death overtime. And if that was still tied after that, we would do shootout. And luckily, we did not have to do shootout because that eats up so much clock. So I always pray that there's no shootouts. <laughs> and luckily, we didn't have any. So. so do you like those rules? Do you think going forward, you're going to keep those for if you do another t- summer tournament? Or is there anything yeah. you need to tweak? Yeah, I, I found some things I would tweak. I would probably uh, discuss it with some other people to see how they felt about it. But, you know, I got some good feedback from a lot of the teams, too, that uh, had some good stuff. So really kind of what you have to do as the tournament director is you have to balance everybody having a good time and having some good rules and making sure that the tournament runs on time and, you know, has enough time to cram in all the games that we did and still be on time. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have to play a balancing act. So you have to take some stuff out that you would want to keep in to keep the clock running, but you know, you want to make sure the games progress and, and get over in a good amount of time. So speaking of tournament director and, and, uh, I think we're going to shortly jump into some spoilers, some some specifics of what happened in this tournament. And I really, I encourage you, if you haven't watched these videos yet, we're going to link them in the description for the podcast here. So you can just jump in or otherwise you can just go to their YouTube channel, which is Raleigh Street Hockey League. Is that right? I had it That's written down. Raleigh Street Hockey League. Okay. So you can just go straight to there and check out the tournament. And it really is, there's a lot of hockey there and really... Most of these games were so competitive and so much fun to watch. I encourage you to do that. So if that's the case, then we'll let you know when we're going to start with the spoilers. But first, uh, lastly, I, I just I have one more question for you before we jump into that. Now, Mr. Tournament Director, uh, I saw you refing some games out there, a whole bunch of games in, in I believe it was the B&A divisions you, you ref games for. 
I didn't see you playing. What happened? Uh, that's correct. Actually, I had ACL surgery back in February. Oh. Um, so I wasn't quite ready for this tournament, unfortunately, but I was good enough to ref. So I'm on the mend, and actually, right before we did this podcast was the first time I got out on the rink in about six months. So I got out to practice tonight. So I'm getting there. I felt great. It's terrible. I I, I always want to play these tournaments, mm-hmm. and it, it pained me to be out there and not playing. It pained me to be out there and refing too, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, so unfortunately, I don't really like to ref the tournaments, but we had a couple refs drop out last minute with mm. some family emergencies. So I had to take over and ref the B division. And uh, then I would just kind of fill in for A and C division if, if some of these other refs needed a break because okay. it's a long day out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And final question before we jump into spoilers, unless James has anything. Did you keep one of those sweet blue shirts for yourself? I did not know. Oh, uh, no. I don't know. I've, I feel kind of on the fence on both of those because I love the shirt, but I didn't earn it, so I don't deserve <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I think based on what I saw as tournament organizer, I would disagree with that. I think you definitely did earn it, but that's I respect the decision. So great thing about the tournament, too, was we got our usual sponsors with All Black Hockey Sticks and Hagen Hockey. All Black Hockey Sticks was awesome enough to donate a bunch of hats and shirts and stuff like that. And we, we were able to give them out. And then Hagen Hockey was the MVP donator. They made three awesome hockey bags and embroidered, you know, summer shootout MVP on there. And then we were able to give them some gift cards and stuff. The Carolina Ale House was another great sponsor. They gave all the winning teams $10 gift cards for each player. We had a new sponsor. It was a local bar in Greensboro called Stumble Stiltskins. And these great guys from actually from Massachusetts that came down. So we had some good stuff to talk about, me being from Massachusetts and all. But they were great enough to give each team a $25 gift card. And so everybody got some good stuff. And obviously Hit the Deck Podcast was a great sponsor for us. You guys have helped us out spreading the word. We've definitely gotten more contacts than we ever have for these tournaments because of the great work that you guys do so and then we had a the company that did the shirts was called uh and dark they're out of indian head north carolina which is a little bit south of charlotte but the guy rob there i've never worked with a t-shirt guy that was better than this guy honestly like he helped us get through and make just phenomenal shirts uh, and he was throwing ideas at us hey try this color try that we can do this we can tweak that gave me a great deal on the shirts and he was just phenomenal i i've worked with a lot of t-shirt guys mm. and i'm sure some of you guys have too they're not the easiest to work with but mm. this guy was phenomenal this company was phenomenal so that was great so thanks to all the sponsors and we hope to get some more well, I'm sure all the winners of the different brackets will wear those shirts with pride. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the next one I can earn one and I can wear it with pride, you know? James, you got anything before we jump into specifics here? No, nah, man. Um, I'm enjoying this conversation, so let's get right into the action. All right. Well, then, for you, dear listener, I will say this. If you have not yet watched this summer shootout tournament on the Raleigh Street Hockey League YouTube channel, I encourage you to pause this podcast right now. Pause it and resume it after you have watched the A, B, and C divisions play because we are going to run them down and you're going to want to know what happens so you can follow along. You know, you don't want to be spoiled. Nobody likes to be spoiled on a sports event on a a, a sporting game of any sort so we are going to be covering the c division for this week so if you don't have time to watch all three then definitely watch the c division for this week so that's your homework for this week's podcast and then for next week you have plenty of time you can watch the b and a divisions if you really want to finish the podcast but you haven't had the opportunity yet to watch the rest of the games I will put a time code in the description to let you know when we start talking about non-spoilery stuff again. So <laughs> you can just pick up again there if you want. You can pause it. We're going to start the spoiler talk in three, two, one. All right. If you're in it, you're in it for the spoilers. And welcome. <laughs> welcome once again. And we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Thanks for coming on our journey with us here. Start with the C division since that was the first division that was posted up. By Daniel Wilson sure. on, on YouTube, and, and we'll just go in order. So yeah. I, I actually, uh, you, you might be able to see here, 
I have the rundown of all the teams and the results of all the games. <laughs> and wow. uh, I just, I, I, I want to quit go game by game. Obviously, if there's something that you have specific that you want to talk about, you can feel free to jump in. But I just want to go blow by blow just to kind of give the listener an overview, our insight, assuming because obviously they have all watched. Anyone who's listening at this point has watched the the. <laughs> The video, so they know. But I, you know, we're gonna do this thing together. So uh, the first game, opening everything up, at least on the video, opening everything up, the playoffs for the C division was the number one seeded Lagrange, which is personal favorite of James and I. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And yep. Uh, the the number eight seeded Wolverines. And yes. um, so, you know, spoiler, the, the Wolverines won. The eighth seed beat the number one seeded LaGrange. And uh, I guess the question that I have as just a viewer of that game is how, 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 how did that happen? <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I, I don't know. We, we all thought LaGrange was the first seed and they were playing awesome hockey they were one of these new teams that they haven't done a tournament before, so this was kind of their first deal. They wanted to, you know, put up the measuring stick and see how they how they stacked up against everybody. And just so you know, they're from Lagrange, Georgia. It's a little south of Atlanta, toward I guess uh, the east side of Georgia. I don't know what they consider themselves, but they have a they actually they're a little small town and they have a great rink. They had a ex NHL player that was from the area. And they took over a um, like a closed down Lowe's. So there was a Lowe's home improvement oh. store that closed down. So the city bought it and made like a little community center. And the gentleman who was an ex NHL player was like, "Well, you need a hockey rink." So, yes, so uh, from what I'm told, they built a hockey rink. I Very wish cool. we could get one of those around here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so Glenn Cunningham just uh, I get he was a hockey guy from Massachusetts, and he moved down there and. He started this league and, you know, they got a whole different group and, you know, they, they, they got a bunch of different guys that played roller and some did this, some did that. So they kind of pieced together a, a group and they uh, got in contact with me. I'm not sure how they found us, but they did probably through your podcast. Yeah, we'll take the assist on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they came up. They were a great group of guys. They're all super nice. And, uh, you know, they... From what they said, they they put a lot into the round robin to get first seed, and they they might have you know burnt themselves out a little bit. Uh, and uh, okay. n- not to take anything away from the Wolverines because the Wolverines yeah. played played their butts off, and they were an awesome team. So Wolverines are one of the teams from Charlotte. They tried to get into the Ironman last year, and unfortunately, they couldn't get in because they were a little bit late, and we were filled up. So I promised them a spot in this one, and and. Man, they were fun to watch. They were a great team. You know, I will say, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Wolverines later, but the goalie for Lagrange, I noticed, was actually very good. I felt I felt bad for them for going down that way because he, I felt like, I thought he was one of the best goalies in the tournament, honestly, in the, the little that I saw him play. He was, he was outstanding, I thought. And, uh, I mean, sometimes it happens that way, but I was just very surprised by the finish, as I'm sure everybody was. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually Glenn Cunningham. He was the gentleman who uh, runs the league. Oh, okay. So yeah, he was a great guy and well, he was a great go. goalie. And Definitely. he actually he ended up subbing in on the A division for the Atlanta team because they couldn't get a goalie in time. So uh, we had to make sure you know that was legit and everything, and it, it was fine. But he was great. He was great in both divisions. He's a super great guy, so I'd highly recommend anybody get in contact with him or, or get in touch with him if you're ever down in that area and want to play some hockey or you want to help him out. Or if you just need a goalie, call Glenn Cunningham. He comes highly recommended. Yeah. <laughs> highly recommended. Willing to travel, I'd assume. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so then the next game in that division was James's personal favorite, I think. It was the, yep. <laughs> the three-seeded Panthers taking on the number six-seeded Deeks of Hazard. <laughs> And uh, the Panthers actually wound up besting the Deeks three to two. It was a close game. And, you know, I I really the Deeks got out to a very quick start. They scored two goals really quick in that game to go up to nothing. And I thought that I was saying, oh, James is going to love this. They're going to go all the way. This is the powerhouse. And then that was it. They scored those two goals and they just couldn't hold the line. And, uh, you know, over the course of the 13 minutes, the Panthers just ground them down and wound up winning three to two. It was Boss Hogg's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put sure. something in their water. 
One thing I did notice about the Deeks, and again, I was a little disappointed, not only that they lost, but they uh, had a woman on, on their team, which seemed like a bit of a rarity for this tournament. I believe her name was Denise. And uh, I was just wondering how common are female players, uh, I guess, in the RSHL and, and the, the things that you guys do? Because it, based on the representation in this tournament, it seems like it's uncommon, but that may not be the case. It just may be, you know, uh, not well represented in this particular tournament. The RSHL, we have probably five or six women that play uh, actively now. And actually, we got kind of a superstar. Her name is uh, Colleen Murphy. She is a professional ice hockey player in the National Women's Hockey League. She plays for the Buffalo Buttes. So she's a ringer. She's the ringer. Yeah. She's way better than all of us combined. But uh, no. So, yeah. So the C division had a a couple ladies that played. We didn't have any in the in the B or A division, unfortunately. And unfortunately, we don't have enough to make like a co-ed division or a strictly women's division. But you know, we got to work to that. But yeah, we, we have a few ladies at the RSHL. Some of them come and gone, and these other divisions do have a few ladies too. I just, we just don't have the numbers like they do in the Northeast, unfortunately. But we're working on. It. Listen, we're still trying to get our first female player in the LIQ, so you you don't have to tell me. I get it. James and I both get it. Excellent. All right. So uh, R.I.P. Dem Deeks. Yeah. I mean, it was a close game, but, you know, at the the end of the day, they unfortunately didn't make it. They were the sixth seed. The Panthers were the third seed. Uh, So the Panthers advanced and so did the Wolverines. So you're saying that generally they played pretty well. But uh, they they just couldn't pull it out. Let me get my rim shot. Yeah, usually on the podcast, when I break one of those out, we get one of these. Yeah, uh, and go. it's it's well deserved. <laughs> those are earned. But uh, yeah, that one was for James. But yeah, um, thanks. Moving on. So the 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 next game was the second seeded Marsh Hounds versus the number seven Lucky Puckers. That uh, was uh, the Lucky Puckers were another team, the the other team I think that had a female player, and this 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 was one of the few games that was in no way competitive. Unfortunately, at least on the scoreboard, the Marshhounds won pretty handily, six nothing. But I will say that this game featured perhaps my favorite moment of the entire tournament, and that was at at one point. When during the course of crashing the net, the net got knocked completely off and the lucky puckers goalie still went down and covered the puck with the net completely (laughs) gone behind him. And I just I thought that was a very quintessentially goalie thing to do. And I'm I'm seriously considering making an animated gif out of that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you got to play to the whistle, right? Uh, It doesn't matter what happens. Yeah, definitely. uh, Props to him for that one. So, uh, yeah, that was, it was unfortunate, but it, it tickled me. I love that. Yep. Just so everybody knows, the Marsh Hounds are the group out of Virginia. They are the EESHL. They played in the Ironman tournament. Brad Ford is their goalie, and he's the co-commissioner of the league. He's a great guy. All those guys on the team from the Marsh Hounds are awesome. They're great to have around, and they've been playing really well. So, yeah, and then the Lucky Puckers were another team from Wilmington, uh, which is the WBHA. So the Lucky Puckers and the Deeks of Hazard were both Wilmington teams that had come over. Okay. Well, Wilmington, North Carolina. Maybe next year they will have a little more luck now that they have the benefit of experience. Yeah, I believe that that was their first tournament for a bunch of these guys, too. A lot of them play ice hockey out in Wilmington, and then they have kind of a small ball ball hockey league that they kind of mix ice hockey and, and ball hockey players together. So, you know, this was one of their first tournaments as well. So they definitely got a feel for for what we do. So. This was kind of the point of the whole tournament, too, was there was a lot of these teams from around that wanted to give it a shot. So, again, considering there was so much unknown for everybody to come together and be as competitive as it was in each division, was we were really lucky with that one. Now, the last game in the quarterfinals was the fourth-ranked Raleigh Horde versus the fifth-ranked Border Patrol. 
and the Horde won two to one in that game. And I don't really have a lot to say about this game, but I do have a question. Now, sure. over the course of the tournament, I noticed from Daniel Wilson's stellar cinematography on this, uh, I kept seeing that the glass protector or the, the, the edge of the glass right against the bench had something that said Border Patrol on it. I guess it was sponsored by Border Patrol. That that maybe that's what that's called. That particular the company that makes that kind of foam protection. And I'm just wondering if there was any like uh, if they were a team of the sponsor or or like if there was any connection between those two. Or you know if maybe a bunch of guys were sitting around on the bench one day and looked at that stanchion and said, "Hey, that'd be a great team name." One hundred percent coincidence. One hundred percent. We're from Raleigh. Tournament was in Greensboro again. They've never been there. They've never seen that. They had named their team for whatever reason. I don't even know the reason to be honest with you. And it was funny because when I got out there a couple of weeks before to get everything set up for the rink, I had saw that and I was like, "Hey, wait a sec." <laughs> so I shot the captain a picture and I'm like, "You guys are already here, buddy. You got no excuses now. You you gotta win. Your name's on the rink." So yeah, that's. It's just a hilarious coincidence that the name of the company that makes the they were like a uh, little foam uh, yeah, protectors yeah. for the edge of the glass, and they just the name of the protector was Border Patrol. I so noticed they were even on that funny. side of the deck, so mm-hmm. that that worked. Yes. <laughs> Right. No, it would have been funny if they were that unoriginal that they showed up mm. to the tournament and just mm. named it the first thing that they saw <laughs> from the bench. <laughs> uh, no boo on that one? I figured I'd get a boo on no, that one. No, I love good. it. That was great. All right, guys. It's between Border Patrol and Powerade. What do you want to call us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that was two RSHL teams battling it out. Uh, Rally Horde had actually a, a good alumni from. He's living in St. Louis now. A great friend of the league and uh, Ben Vessa. He's been around for a long time, and he happened to move out there for you know work purposes and stuff like that. But he's such a good guy that he he came down and uh, we to jump on this rally team that we kind of helped put together. So him and, and a few other guys, he, he also was one of the guys that was refing in the B division. So oh, nice. he's a good friend. And if you're listening, Ben, you know, we love you at the RSHL. So he's, he's done so much for the league. It's unfortunate that he had to move. He was a great leader. He was actually on the lock monsters too, on my team. Hmm. He was a great leader and we've missed him since he's been off the team, but you know, it's great that he, he makes the effort. He came back for this tournament. He brought his family down and, you know, so there's a lot of commitment there, uh, and we appreciate it, Ben. Thank you. Benny, Absolutely. way to be a guy. Good stuff. All right, so that 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 does it for the quarterfinals. We've now moved into the semifinals with the third-seeded Panthers taking on, once again, the number eight-seeded Wolverines. And once again, the, uh, the Logans wound up coming back <laughs> and winning. They wound up winning that game two to one. And uh, they just, they you know, the underdogs keep, keep doing it. And that's... You know, once again, very impressive. And I noticed a pattern, I think, based on my very, very skilled assessment of, of deck hockey, you know, as a, a the professional scout that I am. It seemed to me that the Wolverines kept winning with a somewhat unorthodox strategy, which is they didn't spend a lot of time in the offensive zone trying to kind of make plays and, and position themselves to, you know, pass the puck around and get the best shot. To me, it looked like their strategy was as soon as anyone in the zone gets near the puck, fire it at the net and see what happens. And they seem to do a lot of their scoring, not even on odd man rushes, but just kind of somebody happens to get into the zone near the puck and, and again, fire it at the net and, and, you know, wham, bam, that's a goal. And defensive wise, they didn't give up a lot of goals because... I guess that strategy didn't pin them in the offensive zone. They had the ability to collapse back into the defensive zone and really protect against any decent shots. Does that track with what you saw out there, Kevin? Before you answer that, Kevin, um, just out of curiosity, because we're talking of the the Charlotte street hockey, and of course, another good friend of the podcast, Lou, uh, they play on a big surface. So I'm wondering if that's just their mentality, because going from a big surface to, as you're referring to a little rink, which to us would be huge, but do you think that might have had something to do with the way that they, they play, if it was even subconscious? or I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I, uh, just so everybody knows, those were two Charlotte teams that were battling it out, so they obviously knew each other, so I don't know if they had any advantages going into this uh, semifinal game, but 
to me, to the Wolverines, they, they seem to have a perfect tournament strategy where you're not burning yourself out because, you know, staying in the defensive zone, they're not running around trying to chase down balls or anything like mm-hmm. that. So they definitely conserve their energy, block the shots, and then just took advantage when they had the opportunity and, and scored, you know. So there's a lot to say about a way you would play just a regular league game and how you would play in a tournament structure. And I've always found that teams that can adjust their game, you know, for a tournament as opposed to how they would play in a league game tend to have the most success. So I guess probably, uh, you know, the phrase that you would want to think of is like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. Right. So we use this analogy with the Ironmans that we have because usually the team who scores first wins. And that's just because you don't have to exert all that energy trying to score. Right. So you've already scored. You've already got the lead. You don't necessarily have to sit back, but you don't have to press. So then that helps you for the remainder of the tournament. The less energy you have to put out each game and still win, you know, the more gas you have in the tank for the end. And I feel like that was kind of the Wolverines. I don't know if they didn't win too much during the round robin, so obviously they were the eighth seed, and maybe that was their strategy going in it. Some, <laughs> I, I don't, I would, I don't know if I'd recommend that strategy for every tournament to come <laughs> in last place and then try to battle your way up, but <laughs> it just seemed to work for them. Or maybe they just clicked, you know, by you know they took them a few games to figure it out, and then they were that good that they overcame and and won. So I mean, hats off to them. The they were absolutely. A blast to watch and you know when you're watching the videos daniel is losing his mind because (laughs) the ac beating top seeds is is a a great cinderella story yeah actually this may be a good time to talk about the schedule in a little bit now you had three different divisions that you had to schedule throughout the day and you only had one deck rink to play on so how did you do that between the round robin games and the playoff games how how did you schedule that so that Every team had adequate rest between games, but, you know, you didn't have teams sitting around all day. What I do, and I do the same thing for the Ironman, is because we like to do everything in one day, I like to make sure that the divisions can kind of get in and get out. So basically how I would schedule it is start with the B division because they played first, basically, but we would play all their round-robin games. And then when the playoffs would start, I would just start inserting the C division games to start playing. So the round robins, uh, yeah, yeah, the round robins for the C division would start kind of being in between those playoff games. So you would have some time to rest because you can't, you know, you can schedule the round robin games to make sure that nobody has to play like back to back or something like that. So everybody is spaced out evenly, you know, as even as possible. But when it comes to the playoffs, you have no idea. So you just have to kind of schedule it with some of the other divisions sprinkled in to mm-hmm. break up the uh, playoffs because you want everybody to you want everybody to have a good break during the playoffs, but you also don't want them to sit around too long and get too cold. So that's kind of how we did the seating the way we did. Mm-hmm. I've done it both ways, but doing it this way seemed to be the best way to give them the best amount of breaks in between because a lot of people will do one through eight and then they'll reseed. And then do one through four and, you know, and then do your one, two. But the way we did it was, you know, basically it was almost like a bracket. So, you know, one would still be playing eight, but then you get the benefit of like the Wolverines in this instance was the eight seed. So now they essentially become the first seed. So you get that advantage by by winning up. So that's kind of a, a different take on it, too. Instead of like if you did your traditional way and eight beat one. Well, now eight is the fourth seed, so they still have to play another higher seed that's one. So it kind of gave them a little bit more advantage. And schedule-wise, it was a lot easier to just say, okay, if you win you know, your 445 game, then you play at 545. That's just easier to tell people than, yeah, of course. you know, oh, hold on, we have to reseed everything and figure out when you're going to play. So everyone had a good idea of where they would be playing throughout the day, and it's easy to space it out. Did you ever wind up having to play a team back-to-back? Luckily, no. Usually the hard part is right when the round robin is finished and then you go mm-hmm. into the playoffs. Um, that's kind of the hard time, and some... Sometimes teams have to play back to back or sometimes they have to play teams that they just played. Like as a tournament director, that's like my worst nightmare is like the last game of a round robin Mm -hmm. ends up being the first game of the playoffs where the two teams have to play each other again. You're like, oh, no, please Mm -hmm. don't. 
that's you know nobody wants that and that's no fun but you know those are the things that you can't control so you mm-hmm. just gotta go through it so luckily we didn't have that and how long were you there that day myself well how long or, did or the, the tournament run that day the tournament ran from 9 a.m. and we wrapped up probably around 9.30. So it was oh, a wow. good 12 and a half hour day. Yep. That, is, that uh, is some hockey right there. Yeah, we ended up with 45 games total, I believe. Or 48. I think it was 48 games. I'm sorry. Man, I bet you slept uh, that night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was so pumped up from the whole thing, you know, that it was hard to go to sleep. And then we had kind of an hour drive home. And, you know, by the time you eat and unpack and all that stuff, it was like, ugh. I respect that. You know, well, All right. Well, let's jump back into the games, shall we? So, uh, yeah, we got after, a little off track there. Uh, no, no, that's quite all right. This is what makes it interesting. This is uh, this is organic conversation. That's the kind of stuff you get here on the Hit the Deck podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the other semifinal game of that C division was the second-seeded Marshhounds versus the uh, – Fourth seeded Raleigh Horde and the Marsh Hounds wound up winning that pretty handily, three nothing. And uh, I just I, I had one question watching that. I mean, it was a pretty competitive game. There wasn't a lot that jumped out at me for that, but I did notice there was one sequence where the net got knocked off. Not like to the extent that it was in the previous game that I want to gift, but I did it, it did noticeably get knocked off and play didn't get stopped or anything, and it. it play remained in that zone i noticed at one point the referee kind of ran up behind the net and tried to nudge it back into place while play was going on i'm just wondering if you know that that's something that was discussed in the planning stages or if that's just kind of the referee's discretion that he the call he made on the fly i would say that probably goes back to what would happen in the rshl if a net gets knocked off unintentionally and you know play is still going on usually the refs will run over there and try to put the net back in time you know if the play is up mm-hmm. in the higher end of the zone or something like that obviously if there was a goal scored it would have been blown down but you know usually you you want to keep play going so if, sure. if the ref can get over there and fix the net quickly you know even if it's off by a little bit of an inch or something like that you want to just get over there and and fix it real quick and then keep keep the game going so it wasn't something that was discussed that's probably just something that that is just usual for the RSHL Okay. You know, in, in general, you want to keep play going. Thank you. And and so let's go to the final then. So the final of the C division was the second-seeded Marshhounds against the eighth-seeded Wolverines. And so the Cinderella <laughs> Cinderella story ended. You know, it, the clock struck midnight and, and Cinderella turned into <laughs> a pumpkin or whatever because the Marshhounds did win 3-2. to two. But it was not for lack of trying. It was a hotly contested game that was decided in overtime. The the first overtime of the televised tournament, at least. Um, if you say the B division played first, then we're getting ahead yeah. of ourselves a little bit. But then it wasn't the first overtime. But of you know the playoffs that we were able to see, that was the first overtime game that was played. And yeah, it was a, it was a well played game. And I, I think the. One thing I noticed, the Marshhounds had a pretty aggressive goalie in terms of, you know, his style of play. And it's something that I can appreciate. And it's something that I've kind of been uh, <laughs> chastised for by my teammates a little bit for that style of play going out of my crease. You know, it's just, don't don't leave the crease. Bad things happen when you leave the crease. But, uh, you know, there is there is a bit of a siren song to going out and playing that puck. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I mean, active. Uh, I, I don't mind an active goalie so, as long as he can handle it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's some goalies that can't, some goalies that can. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't comment on yours. I haven't seen yours, but, uh, you know, a good aggressive goalie is fun. Who wants to stand there the whole time when the action's going on? So if you're a goalie and you got the chance to sprint out there, just sprint out there and, you know, throw a body check or you know, throw a poke <laughs> check, whatever you, whatever, whatever gets the job done. So I'm I'm pretty good with my poke checks. Although I will say that the one thing that I have in common with Henrik Lundqvist is that neither of us is really good at all at stick handling. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's usually a bad decision when I decide to go out and do that when I go wandering. But uh, like I said, sometimes you just can't resist. Yeah. So this uh, this was a great game. Yeah. The uh, Marshhounds came out and scored. I, I was close to one minute in, into the game. Mm. So they really set the tone. Unfortunately, I think there was some camera issues and so that there wasn't any narration to it. But, you know, it is what it is. But then the Marshhounds scored 
I think it was about 8.30 left in the game, so mm-hmm. probably five, six minutes later. And then uh, the Wolverines came back. They scored with three minutes left. And, man, they came back and tied it with 30 seconds left in the tournament. So, you know, the underdogs, A-seed, coming back, tying the game up, going to overtime. I mean, you can't you can't write this stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wolverines had, had a breakaway chance in OT that they couldn't bury. And then I think shortly after the breakaway chance, the Marshhounds had a big shot from it was behind the red line for the winner. So that was great. The guys from Marshhounds, they wanted it bad. They really wanted to win this tournament and it showed. And then Brad Ford, the goalie and the commissioner of the league, and I guess the captain of the team, he got the MVP. We had a uh, Hagen MVP prize where we had a hockey bag that was embroidered, said the summer shootout Mm -hmm. MVP. Hagen hockey was awesome to donate those and, the scorekeepers and, you know, a couple other in the refs and stuff all vote on who they thought the MVP was. And he earned it. He he only let in a, a few goals in the whole playoffs. He he was, like you said, he was aggressive. He, he was a game changer. He was great. So, yeah, there's was, was a couple big, big stories in the C division. I think Lagrange was a big story coming out and, you know, never having a ball hockey tournament like that. And this was kind of the first time that they even played kind of ball hockey rules. They kind of have a little bit of their own rules going on, but they were awesome. First seed, they came out, they look like pros, you know what I mean? They were, they look like they've been doing it forever. So that was a great story. The Wolverines coming back, basically, I think it would be their first RSHL tournament coming from eighth seed all the way up to face the second seed in the finals. And man, coming, coming one goal from winning it, you Mm -hmm. know, one shot, you know, would have went them that way, but, you know, is what it is. So, but Marshawns play great. They're they're a great group of guys. And if you're ever out in the Virginia, I think they're Virginia Beach area, check them out. They got a great outdoor rink, and and they're awesome. Great group. Yeah, those Hagen hockey bags were pretty sweet. And, and uh, maybe we'll have to go down and try and win one sometime in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but before we move on, one quick question: You mentioned the kind of lack of commentary in the beginning, and that. Obviously, uh, for anyone who's watched the RSHL games on YouTube, you know Daniel Wilson does all of the play-by-play live in-game as well as handling all of the camera work, which uh, you know I can respect. And he mentioned something to the effect that you started before he was ready, or he had some camera problems or something. So, and and you know I, I understand the necessity of keeping the tournament moving. I'm not you know going to get on you for starting without Daniel. But uh, I am curious, what is the turnaround between games? Do you give them a few minutes to warm up, or is it just, here we go? For the, when they first play, so their very first game of the tournament, they'll get a two-minute warm-up. Okay. Uh, so each each team will get a two-minute warm-up for their first game. But then after that, it's, you know, one game off, next game on, we drop the ball, we go. So all said and done, we were actually 15 to 20 minutes late out of 12 hours so uh, and then all the overtime games we had you know so we were really close on it and even then the last game right before the a division Mm -hmm. final we gave them like an eight minute break because they were gonna have to play back to back oh right because there was no more games so you know technically we were probably like 10 minutes total out of 12 hours that we were behind so i think that that works out really well so Nice. But that's kudos to the refs and, and to the scorekeepers that keep that, that going. They really run that. you know. They really drive it because you know, some teams will take their time going out there. So you're like, okay, I'm going to drop the ball whether you're ready or not. So <laughs> they, learn, they learn quick. Well, that's good. Unfortunately, that's good. unfortunately for Daniel, he has to go and change batteries and change uh, SD yeah, cards and, sure. and all that stuff. So you know, no. it doesn't give him a lot of time in between that, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, but, you know, he does a great job with even in the face of everything. So he is to be commended for all of that. Absolutely. And he edits them all. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it's a labor of love. Uh, I don't know how he does it all, but he's he we're, we're very lucky to have Daniel with us. And he's grown his commentary and he's grown these videos. And he's a huge part of the RSHL. Can't thank him enough. We would like to get him on the podcast one of these days. So hopefully we can make that happen. I hope so. All right. Hey, we got something to look forward to for next week now. But uh, if it's half as good as that conversation, we're in for a bigger treat next time. Yeah. So next week we will get into the B and A divisions. 
But, you know, we, Kevin has a lot to talk about, and we also have a lot to talk about, so we want to spread the love. And so, that being the case, I'm going to selfishly talk about myself now. Well, yeah, I mean, you innocently went on a family vacation, had nothing to do with hockey, yet it had everything to do with hockey. It's just thus the six degrees of the American Rhino. It's just if you love something and it just happens to find its way into your life some way or other. So, but this is really extraordinary. So yeah, take it away, American Rhino. Yeah. So I went on vacation with my family to Hershey, Hershey Park, Hershey, Pennsylvania. And this is my first experience. So I, I was completely unfamiliar with the area and you know what it had to offer so i just figured oh we'll have a good time at a theme park with some chocolate and stuff so you know that's what hershey is known for so that's what i that's what we did you know that's how it works so i i went out we went out my family and i not not james and i we and certainly not you and i unless you are one of my wife or my daughter listening to this podcast and they don't so i Highly doubt that that would be the case. I'm rambling. I apologize. Anyway, so we went to Hershey for vacation, and that was a whole other thing. Short version, when it rains, Hershey floods, uh, apparently. So, you know, don't go during the rainy season, I guess. I don't like it was not whatever. We found a way to have fun. Anyway, that's that's not for this podcast. But the thing that is for this podcast is that you may not be aware of this. I wasn't aware of this. You probably, or maybe not, but there's a good chance you've heard of the hockey team, the Hershey Bears. So apparently the Hershey Bears, which is an AHL team, has been around since, I'm not sure when they were founded, but at least the 30s. They were founded, I guess, by Milton Hershey as the Hershey Bars. And they were that until the league objected to them being named after a commercial product, at which point their name was changed to the Hershey Bears, which is the name that they have had for the last uh, uh, carry the, the 80 years. So, you know, that's uh, that's cool. That That's <laughs> that's a heck of a pedigree for what we would consider a minor league hockey team. You know, and there's a lot of history and the Hershey Bears are uh, like, I had no idea. The Hershey Bears are actually a really big deal in Hershey. They play in an arena that is part of the Hershey Park Entertainment Complex, that whole area of the town. And, you know, there's there's a lot of like Hershey in the Hershey Museum. There's a lot of memorabilia from the Hershey bars slash bears. There's autograph pucks that go back to that that last Hershey Bars team from like 1938, I think they have championship rings from, uh, you know, championships. And I think there's like a Calder trophy ring there. And uh, it's, it's really it's it's pretty cool. And so hockey, like I said, is a big part of that town. We stayed at the Hershey Lodge which is a hotel that is tied in some way to Hershey Park. I don't know if it's wholly owned by it or if they're just affiliated, but they are definitely associated with Hershey Park. And there's like six different restaurants in that hotel, uh, which I found crazy even before we stayed there. But one of them is the Bear's Den. And outside of the Bear's Den is a statue of, like, it's a giant wooden bear, a giant uh, wooden bear in a hockey jersey with a hockey stick and uh you know like a big carved statue it's 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 clearly very old and pretty cool my daughter took a picture with it and uh you know that's like welcomes you to the bear's den and the bear's den is themed as kind of like a sports bar in theme because there are televisions all over the inside of it with, you know, ESPN and whatever, I guess, like FS1 or whatever, all these different sports networks on the television like you would find at any sports bar. But what you would not find at any sports bar is um, in the hallway leading into the Bears Den is glass cases and I didn't get pictures of these, and I, I feel a little bad about that in retrospect, but glass cases with all these old autographed jerseys and sticks and photos of the team over the years and all this cool Hershey Bears memorabilia. But then when you get inside the restaurant, it is themed like a hockey rink. The floor is painted like a hockey rink. You could like, honestly, you could clear out all the tables and chairs and play deck in there like that. It's it. 
you just need to bring in some nets. The walls are painted and shaped like boards. It's it's you know it's very cool. And the coolest thing about it is along one whole wall of the restaurant is what is themed like a, a broadcaster's booth. And it's got microphones and it's got like a computer and and it looks like somebody could go in there and call a game. I don't know if the original idea was that, you know, that during big sporting events or big Hershey Bear games, somebody could actually go in there and do play by play or what. I, I don't know. I don't it may, I don't know if any of the equipment works. It could just be for show, although those microphones looked real enough. You know, it's a lot of money to sink into something for you know just for show but again i don't know i asked the waitress about it if anybody actually calls any events in there and she said no that's that's just for show they don't use that for anything sometimes there's a computer in there sometimes the manager goes in there and uses the computer (laughs) (laughs) which is like okay but part of the reason why i think that it might actually have been designed to be functional is i mean this could just be something they saw a picture of and decided to replicate but the computer that's in there the or the monitor that's visible in there between the microphones is it has a sticker for something called crestron which is a company that does like touch panel interfaces so you know if that is in fact a crestron computer then that could be used to switch around like things that you would need to do to produce um, a broadcast for, you know, some kind of sports event. So it's possible that they just saw that in a picture of a real, you know, sports play-by-play booth, and they just ordered one of those stickers to stick on the monitor that they put in there. But it's equally possible that that was designed to perform some kind of play-by-play function, and, you know, it never was put into practice for that. And if that is the case, then I think that's a real shame and a real waste because uh, that, that seems like a real missed opportunity to me. Yeah, that's hitting us where we hurt, man. That's We could give that a good home. Yeah, I was sitting that's there thinking, good. you know, it's a shame that Hershey is like three hours away from where James and I live. Like, because you know, uh, Hit the Deck would be happy to go in there and, and you know, do some some good old fashioned sports casting for the patrons of the bears den, which, you know, Oh, well, I guess, but, uh, and I don't think that the bears were playing while we were there or if they were, I didn't hear about it. So I didn't have an opportunity. I mean, it's summer, so it makes sense that they wouldn't be playing. You know, I, I, I guess the HL doesn't play during the summer. Uh, obviously I should, I should think about a calendar before I start saying things like that. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't able to take in any kind of real hockey while I was there. But, you know, it's nice that the option is there for the locals. And it's good to see that, it, you know, the community is passionate about it. Because, like I said, it seems like the Bears are kind of a big deal there. Psh, we're kind of a big deal. So that was nice. And the other hockey-related thing, I ran into a friend of the podcast at Hershey Park that I never expected to see. You know, I was, I just, I happened to be in the arcade there. My daughter wanted, there's an arcade in Hershey Park and my daughter wanted to go in because she likes video games and stuff. You know, heaven forbid we go on some rides, but whatever, she's seven. So she wanted to go in the arcade and lo and behold, there in kind of the, the entryway to the arcade, I ran into, as I said, a friend of the podcast and it went a little bit something like this. Hey, I'm Rod Hockey over here. How you doing, American Rhino? So good to see you. Did not expect to see you here in Hershey Park today in this establishment. How are you, sir? And I said, uh, hey, Rod Hockey, it's great to see you. I did not expect to see you here in Hershey Park. Hey, you want to sit down and play some Rod Hockey? You want to have a little time with your buddy Rod Hockey here on the podcast in the park here? And I said, no, I'm sorry, Rod Hockey. You know, it's always good to see you, but unfortunately I am on a vacation with my family and I do not have time to partake in your hockey goodness. But I hope to see you again soon and I hope to be able to talk to you again on the podcast very soon. And so Rod Hockey says, hey, always happy to be of service. Anytime you want me to be on the podcast, all you have to do is put on a stupid voice. Hey, I'm Rod Hockey over here. How you doing? And so, so it was, and so it is, and so it ever shall be. And uh, that's pretty much my hockey trip report there, James. 
any uh, follow-up questions that you'd care to ask? No, I just can't wait to hear you interview Rod Hockey officially on the podcast. Yeah, you may be the only one on that. I, I will have to take a poll. But um, yeah, so that that was my experience in a nutshell. And then some other stuff happened that was completely unrelated to hockey, which I will not talk about because it's not really relevant. It's not germane to the podcast. But um, suffice to say, uh, I, I really think Hershey, Pennsylvania needs to better its... I don't know, levy system or whatever, because the rain is kind of a problem and it kind of affected my vacation. So wasn't wasn't too keen on that. But what are you going to do? Hey, what are you going to do? Hey, that's Hoishi over here. <laughs> it is what it is. Anyway, so. Uh, oh, my goodness. I, I, I think it's about that time. What do you think, Pops? Last minute remaining in the podcast. You agree. All right. We have consensus. All right. Well, in that case, that being the case, I would like to thank Pops for being the voice of the podcast. I would especially like to thank Mr. Kevin Frost for being on the podcast this week and telling us a little bit about his street hockey tournament, the summer shootout for the RSHL. And uh, I will thank him in advance for coming back next week and uh, telling us a little more about it. I will thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast, as you do so diligently every week, and we sincerely appreciate it. Thank you to Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music, the LIQ for sound effects, and an extra special thank you to all of you who have subscribed to this podcast and continue to do so. If you haven't already, we're easy to find on Podbean or iTunes or the Stitcher app or, you know, Google podcasts or what, whatever, wherever you get your podcast, we're probably there. If we're not, let us know. We'd like to be. And YouTube, please, 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 if you haven't already, thank you so much to all the people who have subscribed on YouTube. If you haven't done so, please do that. We would really, really appreciate it. And if you want to rate the podcast on iTunes, that would make you the most special of all. We would sincerely appreciate that. If you want to talk to us, we're not hard to find. You can email us at hitthedeck, that is D-E-K, hitthedeck at gmail.com. Tweet at us at hitthedeckpod. And of course, we are at hitthedeck on Facebook, where we have so many of our hockey-related news items that you may have missed otherwise. And on Instagram, we are at hit the deck. And if you are on Instagram this week, I will post a couple of those special hockey photos that I was talking about, stuff that I was talking about. And, um, you know, you can see them there. So stay tuned for that. And uh, in the meantime, James, is there anything you'd care to add? Thanks for listening, folks. All right. Well, short, sweet, and to the point. Okay. Well, all that being said, whether you are somebody who is playing in a tournament for the very first time or whether you are an old hand, whether you are out and about in the city of Hershey as an avid hockey fan or just somebody who happens to be staying in a hotel and encountering hockey for some reason, regardless of what you happen to be doing and where you happen to be doing it, I would always and forever encourage you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. I'm sorry. My cat just That's destroyed right. everything in my house. <laughs>